We're back in black. Actually, we're back in orange. Orange is the new black. This is Bold Perceptions. Got a special guest here today. Actually met her when I was searching for a new apartment here in Playa del Carmen, and I got one. I got one in my favorite area. It's Colonia Hollywood. Very cozy, kind of reminds me of Italia. Got some colored buildings, cafes nearby. My favorite restaurant, been there like 10 times. It's called Papa Charlie's. You can get two huge meals for about ten dollars total shout out papa charlie's but while i was searching for an apartment i came across um a nice lady she was quite friendly to a complete stranger a random gringo you know i'm surprised she wasn't scared of me but she helped me out uh, we talked I, I she told me she was an author a writer that lives in uh london and she comes down the playa to get away find her creative spirit and we ended up getting a coffee the other day and we decided to do a little recording. Her name is Renee Barr from Sri Lanka and moved to London. I'm gonna let her give you guys a little background. Hello. From my hometown, Um, I'm originally from Sri Lanka, but I have lived in London for over 40 years. Um, so I am um, an author. I published a book uh, two years ago on the local area where I live called Belsize Remembered, um, which um, well, I was very happy to be invited for a very short uh, interview on TV. That's London um, Live TV. And then two um, radio interviews uh, for um, London um, local radio so um, yes and here I am in wonderful playa um, like um, Nick just said uh, to um, free my creative spirit I'm working on another novel at the moment let the vibes flow I was actually with a friend recently that's been living here for about 15 years and she said that there's water underneath playa, like in rivers and yes, yeah, so no, yeah, so no does all that. And then that the energy moves with it and people like get in touch with their emotions mm -hmm. in Playa del Carmen. So some hippie stuff, but we'll see if it's true. If I end up crazy, you know, by the end of my stay here. But what I found interesting relating to your writing and uh, your um, being an author is a lot of your friends or people are like, what do you think you're doing? Like. You know, you, do you know London? Why are you writing about London? And can you be an author? What did you, what did you think of that? Well, to write about London? Remember, uh, you were saying people were, you know, why are you going to write about oh, London? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Um, because I'm from Sri Lanka and uh, people were a bit surprised when my book came out. A history book, a local history book. And they said, oh, what made you write? And um, I actually studied um, history of... Um, London and history of art and architecture um, 
at the University of London, uh, Birkbeck College. So that gave me, my passion is history. And I love London. And I thought, why not? Um, you know, it, it is really a book about um, the older people. Because a lot of older people, I feel that, you know, they just have so much to tell. And they die, die of taking their local history with them. They are part of walking history. And I just feel very strongly about that, that people actually must talk and share with the next generation what the area, local areas were like, what their life was like. So that bo this book um, I did um, was to do with the local history. And um, it is well received. It came out two years ago. Uh, it is still well received and is selling. Um, so the in the um, bookshops, um, it takes sort of center space on the shelf. Um, and the, there are lots of other local history books, remember, written by a lot of English uh, British people. Uh, I'm British, but, um, you know, English people. And uh, those are kind of languishing on the shelf, while this book seems to be sort of uh, taking the popular spot. I think it is to do with the local, the touch with the older people. You know, it's a, it's a part of um, immediate history, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea of uh, just doing it. You know what I mean? There's always critic, oh, you can't do this. Why, you know, why would you be able to do it? And then you just do it. And then they're like, oh, well, I was actually pretty good. And, and wow, I misjudged you and all that. So I love the the action, taking action. Everyone, Anyone who does anything, they just do it. They don't worry about all these little critics talking and all the crickets in the background because the doers do. And those people, they sit on their ass and, and they watch the doers. But here's what was fascinating because you look Indian. I know that might be stereotypical, but um, you really reminded me um, when we met and then at the coffee shop of uh, Sanjeev Chopra, you know, Deepak's brother. I, I was telling you about that. And just the vibe. And what's crazy is he said, Nick, everyone has a book in them. Everyone has. Yeah. And it, it was really fascinating. The vibes you give off and... Um, the vibes he gave up and you know the the connections in the universe and, and how we met certain times so i love that idea that everyone does have a book in them yes certainly everybody has a, a story to tell but lots of people are either shy or they think oh my story won't be interesting enough for people no everybody's life is unique it's special to them it's how you tell it some people say oh i don't know how to write yes you can you can start off by putting bullet points down and then you somehow you know, connect those, and um, that's how you write. You, you know, every, everyone has got something to tell, um, and people must not. Um, it is lovely to share with other, you know, the rest of the world, uh, the next generations coming up, or even just for now, um, you know, how their life is going. And we are living in it at times that are very interesting, so that makes it even more interesting. Yeah, there'll be definitely a lot to write about um, the crap we've gone through in this last year. Um, let's get into that writing process, though. So you said bullet points. So I want to learn how to write. I want to do some little e-books and start making some residual uh, income. How, how can I start writing a book? Right. You can just start off, but you don't have to get it. I always tell people, you know, when they ask me, I say, just get a notepad, a pen. Okay? Simple. Or if you want to work on your computer, that's fine as well, because that's, you know, if you're that way inclined all you have to do is just pull out points start off with um, you know the thing that really comes to your mind something that's very important to you 
that you want to think that's relevant just bullet points you don't have to start you know writing about everything straight away um, making reams of you know wordy some people do and the other thing is a very important interesting thing some people some people do is have more it's called morning pages um, it's called morning pages and people actually it's a stream of conscience is a stream of thought you know you write some people do that every day it's not a journal it's just a stream of conscious whatever that's come to your mind it's not like oh i did this yesterday or i did this you know it's not a journal or you know you can do it that way too but whatever your thoughts you just your thought you were in a cafe and you watch people and you know and all the thoughts that come into you you can just write those down um and uh, actually somebody one of my friends she won the book a prize uh, last year was it last year or two th- no two years ago she won the book a prize um and she i remember when we were doing creative writing together at a class that's where i met her and she was doing these pages it's called morning pages and she had re- so many uh, book um, notepads enough to prop up a, make a coffee table with. she put a <laughs> glass on it a top on it and one of those she when she won the book a prize one of the books that she that made is called um it's by anna burns um her first book is coming to my head at the moment um and she um it was taken from her stream of conscience in fact it's an unusual unique book uh it it just runs along it it's her uh, thoughts really <clears throat> yeah, I've actually heard of exercises called dream journals, and I've tried it a couple times. Right when you wake up, you know, write down your dreams or write down what you're thinking. And the one thing it really helped me with was remembering my dreams. And there's some crazy things that happen in, in those dreams that, you know, I have it with my family where my mother actually had a dream. This exact scenario played out a week before it happened. It was about her mother dying in a car accident. The same cop came to the same place she was working at, said the same thing. She died in the same location as her dreams. And so those always, that kind of stuff happens in my dreams all the time, like the deja vu. So, but I like that stream of consciousness too. I've also read, um, I think Tim Ferriss does it for uh, like clearing... um, and starting your day off right so you get all like the negativity or any sort of thoughts out of your head so you start the day off free and clear like you release it to the paper is that kind of what you're talking about yes you can start writing um, and you can uh, send uh, clips to the newspapers or uh, is, is it what you meant no so like no. like uh, so right when you wake up in the morning yes you just get everything out of your head onto yeah, paper start fresh yeah uh, that's a good way if that works for you first thing in the morning um then yes that's a good way like nick just said you know write about your dreams any thoughts that's come come into you good or bad don't try to edit in your head don't try to edit and sort of think oh no i can't write that down uh whatever comes it could be very nice things or really dark thoughts maybe or not very nice things about certain people maybe come into you but whatever that comes into your head um you can do the first thing in the morning is the time i think lots of people are in between that face of sleep and waking I think you know. it's theta waves that's you know, your it, brain waves yes. um, consciousness unconsciousness yes that's right and then um, you can do that or if it works for you anytime other during the day um, you know you can do that too it doesn't have to be the morning 
Um, I got a question overall about authors. Um, you look at the Stephen Kings, Hunter Thompsons, um, the Harry Potter lady. It seems like all authors are different, or they operate on a different wavelength. Some say they're crazy. Some say they're egomaniacs. Some say they're just off. What do you think of that? Is it, are they tapping into the natural human being of being nuts and releasing it to the world, or are they just crazy? No. <laughs> I know artists are seen as crazy, any form of artistic yeah. um, you know, talent, which is writing, painting, um, they're, they're free spirits, creative, they're not holding back, that's, a, that's the difference. So they might come across a, a little bit off the wall for the conventional person, you know, who likes to tread the you know, known path, but the artist is a free spirit and they just take, you know, they just flow with it. They, um, you know, some people, as, as you know, a lot of uh, writers uh, like to drink. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, alcohol is part of the thing because I think um, that kind of relaxes a certain part of your brain. But it doesn't, one doesn't have to, you know, I, I yes, I can see my quality of writing is different if I've had a few glasses of wine uh, to when I am. But then there are times I don't and I just get into that space in my head. Um, yes, creative people are, it, it's, yes, fearless, I guess. Yeah, and um, I, I used to think, like that comment I just said before about creative people when I was kind of like growing up, I was just into sports and all that, and like, okay, you're, you're weird, you know, painting over there, yeah, yeah, you're so creative. And then I actually started creating, like the podcast and, and things like that, and I started really appreciating, you know, artists mm -hmm. and, you know, creative stuff, and my fashion changed and the things I liked and what I didn't like. I think uh, living over in Europe too and seeing all that um, mm. classical artwork, exactly. it really kind of opened my, my yeah. brain to it. But I don't think people, the public or, you know, the person kind of just going through life um, can understand that until they start creating themselves. Then they feel the creative process and like, oh, maybe they're not crazy. Maybe you know, they're tapping into, you know, what makes us human type deal. Mm -hmm. I think it's being fearless really to accept and be who you really are, not worrying about, um, you know, what people are going to say and be, so it's why, why our life is for living freely, um, not be worried and judge, you know, what others are going to judge you. Everyone has got a creative free spirit inside them. It's just to release, knowing how to release it really. Like Nick said, um, I mean, he has taken the wonderful route of being fearlessly going to somewhere like Europe. He could have easily stayed in the US and just treaded the known path, but he decided to go to Europe or do something totally different. And, um, and travel does broaden one's mind, whatever people say. Um, and if you can't travel, then travel with, uh, with uh, watching documentaries. There are, everything is at hand these days for us. Wonderful documentaries on TV um, and books, reading books, you know, broaden one's horizon. Um, that kind of releases, brings out the creative side in one. Yeah, 100%. We talk about living outside of the comfort zone on this podcast mm. so many times. And luckily, I've kind of always done it, not necessarily in a travel aspect, but until, you know, the last couple of years I have. And I think traveling is a cheat code to live outside the comfort zone. Um, but it is, it's true. Once you get out of that little bubble and, and let the creativity shine and stop worrying about what everyone thinks, like the craziest, magical things happen, right? You said you're, you're a free spirit. I think... Um, you know, it is being a free spirit coming here alone. You've come to Playa yeah. del Carmen. Yes. You kind of talked about this. Your friends in London thought you were crazy. Yes. 
Yes, uh, when I um, I've been coming to Playa uh, for some years now, but in the last three years, let's say I've come for um, quite a few months at a stretch. My friends thought I was totally crazy. What you're going to somewhere like Playa on your own? And I said, yes, of course, why not? They said, but do you know anyone? You don't have any friends there. And I said, you make friends. You know, for what the old saying, um, strangers are friends. Yeah, we uh, haven't met yet. Yeah. Yes, strangers that's are right. Yes, and and that is so true. Um, you have a mouth, haven't you, in your head, you know, you talk to people, you know, you be a smile and friendly. People here are very relaxed um, and very friendly. That helps. And I made a lot of good friends here since I've been on my own. In fact, I came to London when I first arrived in London as a very, very young girl. Um, I came to London alone and I, I handled London on my own. So Playa is really, you know, easy for me. Yes, it's being a free spirit, really. Hmm. Yeah, tell me how you handled London coming from uh, Sri Lanka at a young age. Um, obviously, well, London's very multicultural. You know, going there, though, and there's no internet. So you couldn't FaceTime mommy and daddy back home. I mean, you were alone in a, in a whole foreign different world. You know, how would you take that on by yourself? <laughs> yes, that was very, it's very interesting. Well, uh, let's not, uh, it wasn't all roses. No, it was very hard. It was tough. It was a time when there was only the telephone and it was very expensive. I had come on a very small budget, in fact, hardly any money. I was very poor when I got to London. I lived in a what you call a bed set, bed sitting. Y'all won't even know this generation what it like is. Like a hostel or what? No way. No, it's not a hostel. In a house, a room, you, and you share a bathroom with the rest of the house and um, having grown up, in a, from a middle class family in Sri Lanka with servants um, and you know like two bathrooms in the inside the house coming to somewhere like London I was thinking my gosh this is wow this is so totally different but I had the language I spoke English you see because I come from um, what it was then Ceylon which is a British colony so that language I didn't have the problem of uh, going to a foreign country with a foreign language um, and it was hard, but it was exciting too. It, I think it made me what I am as well now because... Um, made you fearless? Yes, made, made me fear even, you know, to taught me that I have to get... If I want something, I have to go and get it. I can't sit inside my room. Nobody's going to come knocking on my door and say, Oh, poor Rani, maybe we will help her. No, you have to get out and go out there. Um, do what you want, talk to people, learn new things. Um, yeah, it was not easy, but it was fun though, looking back now, yes. obviously fell in love with London if you're writing um, books about oh, it. very passionately. But how did you, like, there's some practical tips for making that crazy of a jump. I mean, you can relate it to, you know, anyone. It's similar to saying, I'm going to go write a book, you know, mm. throwing yourself into a yeah. whole new world, mm. um, uh, not worrying what people think. So what were some practical tips for you to get your feet down in London and make a, a life as you did? 
um, in, in, a, in a sense, I suppose I, I forced myself to because I loved London. I, I had a boyfriend <laughs> that makes a lot of difference. Uh, you know. When did you meet him now? When, um, after about six months after six I months. was there. So, um, yes, in that six months it was tough. There was, had been times I thought, oh, maybe I should go back home. Then I thought, no, um, I will stay. And um, because um, there were some personal reasons also to do with my family. Um, and, uh, and I'm an independent spirit, that person, even then. And I thought, no, I can't do this on my own. I will stay here. And I learned to love London and actually study London, you know, history of London. Um, and then I made a lot of friends there, not too many, just a few good friends. Um, and the lifestyle, as I said, was very different to what I had known, brought up, cosseted, really, um, you know, um, looked after really well. And, uh, and the only form of communication with my mother was airmail letters. I don't know whether you, you know these, uh, these days. They don't, I haven't seen it sold in the shops. It's a blue airmail paper just enough you just buy that and you um well then then you sit around and wait for a reply back that might be a month away you know uh, but uh, then actually it teaches you how to it's not just the family and your comfort zone you there is a world out there you know the people people are kind and people are friendly you have to be very careful who you associate with i've had offers of you know sort of um dodgy boyfriends trying to uh, say oh yeah you know I could have got into all kind of troubles if I wanted but no you have to tread a very responsible for yourself so you tread a um, safe path really um, not try to go um, well yeah you're responsible learn teaches you how to be responsible for yourself yeah okay um, you said people are friendly but you gotta be careful you know just like Meet me. Anywhere. You should you should have screened me. You never know what kind of podcast <laughs> you're on. But this brings a point that just recently happened with um, Jake. The listeners know Jake that he was um, you know hanging out with some dudes he met here, and something very bad happened to uh, one of the dudes. Didn't affect Jake, but you know, and he had no idea that was that kind of person. You know, mm-hmm. so when you're going to these new worlds and you're meeting new people and you're traveling, how do you, you know? be able to open yourself to new people because obviously wonderful things happen because of that but also you know have a foot back and you're not messing with the wrong people because a lot of the people that do the traveling do the nomad expat thing are either running away from something they're escaping or they're crazy a lot i mean a lot of people that do this are crazy you know in a good way and a bad way yes yes that's true um you know there are lots of people like in anywhere really you know like when i was in london or Probably now, these days, they are even more we are aware because you have got social media and, and lots of things have been, you know, written about and uh, on news. So it's, people can be much more aware. So there is no room to be, do silly things, really. Uh, you, do, you can meet um, strange people who are, if you find there is somebody, uh, you put yourself in a situation, uh, withdraw, you know, withdraw back. With, like Nick said, have a foot back and totally cut them off. There is no, you can move on and find other friends that are, uh, that gives you the values that you hold. And you don't have to sort of uh, hopeless like and, you know, slink into the, and just be aware, um, common sense really. So use a lot of common sense. 
uh, if you're traveling alone um, you know you have to just make sure like in playa you have to be very careful you don't wander around in the dark and you take any anywhere really if you are a woman you don't go alone through take uh, however independent you think you are you don't take stupid uh, chances like i i would not dare even then or even now go out and walk down quiet streets that are not lit properly because the crime crime rate anywhere is much more now than it was then when i the times when i came to london well, got a couple of dogs barking hold on I think that's a good point. And it's tough for a lot of people to be able to set those strong boundaries, to be able to detach when you're alone in new worlds. Because a lot of people don't, ha they have a scarcity mindset when it comes to, you know, doing new things, meeting new people. So then they latch on to uh, the status quo or their autopilot mode to feel that comfort, right? Yes. You know what I mean? That's why we had uh, Hannah on recently, who's actually a Canadian that was living in Playa del Carmen last year. And she got in a relationship that was quite toxic. But that was like her, you know, person here. And that was her oh, comfort. Yeah. So she put up with a lot of the red flags. You know what I mean? So when you're traveling and you're living this life, you need to be fine with being alone. And a lot mm -hmm. of people, you know, can't handle that. Perfectly. That's one of the things I, that's one of the things I would actually say is that it's perfectly all right to be alone. In fact, it's quite nice being alone. You, you're in touch with yourself. You don't need people. You don't need all the time to surround yourself with people. Um, when you're on your own, it's it's a good time to you know do some thinking or just just relax or chill, as you all call it. You know, just um, just be, just be in the Kuna moment. Matata. Yeah, just be in the moment. You don't have to be. However, sort of gregarious person you are, you love to be with people, and you think, oh, I have to be with people. No, you don't really. Everybody need their. Um, little time to themselves um, so it, it's better sometimes to be on your own than hang around with people uh, or a person that's going to be a bit bring toxic um, to your life and and actually you know spoil it for your spoil your experience in a new place hmm. speaking about being alone and i'm not sure if you want to talk about this or not but you did have a partner that passed away recently i yes. know people go through death and uh, it's hard on a lot of people and so you've dealt with kind of being alone um again you want to speak on how you overcame that or how you healed from that mm -hmm. yes martin um martin passed away just over five years ago um he had cancer but um i he lived um, in Manchester and I lived in London, so it was a long-distance um, relationship. Um, when I came back to London, and um, I could have actually spoke to my friends, uh, but I handled it on my own because I didn't want to burden my friends with tears and, you know. So the tears were quite private for myself. And I mourned him, and I mourned him, obviously. Um, I, missed, I still miss him, and I cried and did all my crying. I didn't turn to alcohol as a substitute. I didn't think that was a good idea. That will spiral me right down. Even It would have been awful. Um, but um, one of the things I did was I threw myself into a project, which was my book that I finally had published. Um, I went for long walks um, and it, it, it's a process. And you, you know, if, you must understand if you go through any bereavement, um, we, you know, the people who are gone are gone. 
um, and we are still here. We've got a living to do. You know, we are still here. Our time is still here and we have a living to do. And that's what I told myself. I have a li- you know, I have life ahead of me. Um, I have to try and, um, I won't forget him obviously, and I will try and give myself things that are, that will make me happy. And it's a process I have to go through. It will take a year. People say that it's the first year is the worst year when somebody dies. Um, and we all go through that uh, sadness and whatever for a year. Uh, I have had two girlfriends of mine who have lost their um, partners as well. And I, in fact, one girlfriend is still going through it. And so she said, oh, Rani, I don't know how you did it. Now I understand. Must have been hard for you. And I said, yes. But, you know, this is what you do. And she, um, we, we meet and we walk, go for walks and everything. But, um, but she's handling it all right as well. It's okay to be on your own during that time. In fact, probably it's better. But never think alcohol is your answer in any crisis you're in. Because it will only spiral you some more further down. And even more harder to get up out of that. So it, it's uh, you've got to accept. Um, in my language, there is a saying, actually. Um, I'm a Tamil, and uh, in my language, they're saying that... Uh, the, it, it's a bit like one of the English sayings. Uh, when somebody dies, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. Um, you know, but I want to say, eat, drink, and be merry, because until we die, you know, our time will come. Until then, eat, drink, and be merry, and be happy. Yeah, I love it. A lot to um, unpack there. I think uh, a big point is... You know, born alone, die alone, but the whole Buddhist thing about detachment. And that's one of the main things. My mission um, recently in the coming years is to try to get as completely self-reliant on my own happiness, um, fulfillment, personal well-being, and kind of detached from, you know, that scarcity mindset or needing other yes. things, needing other people, needing things, you know, with, the, with minimalism and, yeah. and all that. And uh, that's why I really kind of look at like the Buddhists and their preaching of total detachment and, and whatnot. I know we talked about that a little and I was thinking, you know, Sri Lanka, you know, maybe this mm. is because I'm ignorant that there's Buddhists down there, it's those the teaching. Buddhist it is Buddhist. Yeah, I know you are a Christian, but can you speak on maybe both the, the Buddhism, Buddhism you grew up with and then the Christianity that you uh, practice? Yes. Um, I was brought up a, a Methodist, uh, but um, I have got uh, lots of Buddhist friends and Hindu friends, actually. Uh, my stepfather was a Hindu, and um, uh, some of my friends and the servants at home, they were Buddhists. Um, I've gone to the Buddhist temples, and the peace that you get in the Buddhist temple, it's un- it, it is a Buddhist country. Sri Lanka is a Buddhist country. so. Um, and it, it's amazing, their way of thinking. It's nothing different from other religions, really, but they, they, it's a make, very simplified. That's simplified. Like, if you go into a Hindu temple, there's a big difference. They, you know, they have got lots of many gods, as you know, um, and there's a lot of bell ringing and a lot of drums going, and I'm glad of all that experience now. But the Buddhism is a very um, peaceful, um, very, it's a, yes, pared down, pared down religion, I would say. You know, it's a very, given, it's a very simple um, way of thinking. But, um, well, I think all gods, one, you know, I, I, I pray, I meditate. Um, uh, the prayers I know and I meditate, it could be to any god, really. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one particular god. Yeah, Christianity's got a lot of um, similar principles with, you know, don't fear anything besides God and, um, you know, uh, 
I grew up in a Catholic family, so I should know more about this. But I really like the message of, of detachment, yes. you know, and, and uh, Hakuna Matata and, and living that way. And I, I think it relates really well to, like, writing affirmations and, and not, like, um, the idea of focusing so much, like, I need this, I need this. But, like, I write down things and it's like, oh, I already have it. You know, I'm writing it down, you know, I am happy or, you know, I am confident and... It was kind of like there, I'm not, you know, I need to be that, you know, it's yeah. kind of just letting it go on the paper, kind of like the morning journal and being detached from it. And I think that's when the abundance comes to you, right? Yes, when you let go and things come to you. When you let go, when you let go, things come to you. When you give and don't expect to receive, but you'll be very surprised how it is paid back to you. It will come back to you in some form. Yes. 100%. I love that. So obviously in London, you meet a ton of different people. It's a way different culture from, you know, Playa del Carmen in here and the more relaxed pace down here. Um, can you kind of talk about the experiences of, of the certain people and culture from, you know, London, uh, Playa del Carmen? I know you met some cool Americans down here. Yes. Cough, cough me. You know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I met some very interesting American. Um, I made some good friends here in Playa. American friends. Um, uh, it's very different. London is obviously f very fast-paced, and I used to work for a private equity, a European private equity company. It was just like go, go, go. But now I'm not working, and I'm an author. It gives me a lot more time. So here, while I was staying here about two years ago, I met a lovely couple from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin uh, called Bob and Nancy, and uh, they were fantastic. Really, um, they took me under their wing. And they said, hey, what are you doing, you know, sitting and writing all day? You're going, you look like you're just shut in. Why don't you come out with us? No, I thought he saw a, a yeah. drink. Uh, he said, what yes, is it? Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, all right, I will admit. I was there, I was seated on the balcony in this lovely hotel. Um, uh, it's a very low-key hotel, the Hotel Dorima, very basic, but a charming little hotel. And I was seated there with my computer and a glass uh, of very discreetly in a glass um, uh, Jack Daniels <laughs> <laughs> with soda. Uh, so Bob comes along. That was the first time I met him. He comes and says, hey, you like Americans, are very friendly. He said, hey, how are you? And he said, um, what have you got in that glass? Straight away, straight out. And I said, oh. And I said, oh, that's uh, Jack Daniels. And he said, ooh, we got somebody who likes a drink. <laughs> and he called out to his wife, Nancy. Hey, Nancy, we have got someone who likes a drink. And he said, oh, would you like to join us? We are going to Dirty Martinis. Oh, by the way, I must tell you, Dirty Martinis is closed now, down now. Since the lockdown, it's no more. Um, hopefully, they'll open one day. So that was a start. And uh, I started going with them to listen to bands playing, live band um, playing and a couple of drinks. Um, then there's another bar called the Cayman Bar, which is still open. It's open now, it's functioning. Um, like every day they have a band um, eight, from 8 till 2 a.m. or something like that. So I, yes, I, so I met, some, met some very nice friends. Yeah, and I love that. Um, I've noticed a ton after living in Europe is how friendly americans are yes. you know and they're the hey what's up how are you doing good day smiling and all that and you know some people say it's superficial some say it's not but even if it is i love i love that like you said in london if you start talking to someone on the street you know they look at you like you're nuts right i think probably it's a bit like new york could be but even in new york i've been in new york and i'm there for a very short time people are friendly but everybody's in a bit of a rush 
London, I think it is the culture of the British people that if you smile even, they sort of look at you, kind of have, oh, you're a little bit nuts, and they sort of, oh, at the bus stop, if you sort of suddenly start talking, you can see them little feet shuffle, uh, shuffling to the side away from you. Um, I don't think that will change somehow. But I must say the younger generation in London are more friendlier. Probably they have travelled a little bit more and a lot of American TV they have been watching. So there's a lot of American words have got into our British um, language. Um, but um, going back to Bob and uh, Nancy, I have to just sort of mention Bob to you because um, he puts music uh, festivals together and um, it's in Madison. So um, you can look him up on... Um, Facebook, Bob Queen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, when I was living in Copenhagen, everyone was like, yeah, just don't talk to anyone on the street. They'll think you're crazy. And of course, you know, I see pretty girls. I go talk to them. So, you know, it, but it was a cheat code because no one would talk on the street. Oh, and then yeah. so when you start talking to them, you know, obviously I'm speaking English and they're like, oh, he's just an American. So then they're really friendly to you. And oh, yeah. it totally, um, you know, the feel the fear and just go right past it's just in your head we talk about you know yes. and it, it, i met so many cool people because i wasn't going to listen to the societal construct and be afraid to speak to random people you know or like um keeping my american spirit in copenhagen yes. i didn't i didn't try to fit in i was just being myself mm. yes I, I have to say that i may probably makes it uh, even easier for me here in Playa del Carmen on my own is because americans are very friendly and the canadians also and also the Mexicans, I must say, you know, they're not, um, once they speak, they're very courteous and they're very friendly as well. Um, London probably being a big city, uh, it is difficult to make friends. I did struggle when I first got there on my own. It was very hard. Um, but um, obviously this podcast is for the younger generations also who is listening. So you might find when you come to London, uh, London is different to when I was there. Um, so people are much more friendlier. There's a lot more for the younger people. And yeah. No, I always find it um, fascinating, the different cultures and, and learning about it and the different kind of people. I think it's obviously nice to be respectful of cultures, but don't lose who you are, you know, trying to fit in type deal. Because yeah. if you try to fit in, you're just like everyone else, you know. Yeah, exactly. be, be the sunshine and, and great things happen. But as we wrap this bad boy up... Um, Let's talk about you being an author. So what is the best book or the book that has made the biggest impact on your life? Oh, gosh. Oh, that's a difficult one because there are so many books. Um, you know, I read a lot, obviously. A writer must read. Um, and the recent book I read um, is... Um, uh, I'm reading the... Probably it's just come out. It's an American... I like American authors, actually, because there is a good... Um, relaxed uh, flow the way American writers um, right? where the crawdads sing Delia Owens that's a good book and I just finished reading The Dutch House forgotten the author's name um, that's a great book um, I also like Janet Fitch uh, uh, that's another American writer called The White Oleander so what do you get from these books? what do I get? Um, the books are well uh, I like reading books, you know, they're not, the, the one I'm writing at the moment is semi-autobiographical, though it's a literary fiction. So it, it, it's good to read these books to see how other people are, because I'm a writer, I'm always look, reading other books, not for, just for the pleasure, you know, half of my brain is taking in other, the, the quality of writing. 
and um, and I I don't read sort of books that for the sake of reading uh, books that have come out and it's a big hit and they think if, the, if, if, if the quality of writing doesn't speak to me then I don't I I'm sorry I'm a bit of a snob I just cancel it out uh, for me it's got to yeah it's got to resonate with what I'm writing as well interesting interesting are you an academic snob <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of people say that um, the English or the British certain people can be a bit of a snobbish. I, I'm sorry, but I might be. <laughs> I might be. Um, I think. I think it's. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's say yes. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't care. <laughs> a quote. A quote that maybe encompasses your life journey. A quote that motivates you. Your favorite quote. The one that you would get tatted on you. Oh. Pause, pause, pause. Pause, pause. Came back to you? Yeah. Yes. Shakespeare, of course. Shakespeare's all the world's a stage. All the men and women are players. Um, everyone uh, have their uh, time. They come and go. Like, as the sea. Anyway, I'm sorry. I can't remember exactly at the moment. But that is the... Anyway, you look it up. Oh yeah, the world's a stage, and you know, I think it's very fascinating now is um, the whole mask thing. You know, everyone wearing masks, and you know, put your mask on. And, you know, you're on the stage. We did an episode about that kind of recently, um, but that is true. And I always talk about when you travel, a lot of people take the mask off, you know, and totally be free in themselves. Yes. You know, and some people put on twenty different masks because they can. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like you get to really see when you travel the human condition you know i sound like an academic snob but you get to see like the best of like what humans can do and then you get to see the craziest nastiest darkest stuff by some people too but i think more so when you're you know back home or living your normal autopilot life you know going to the nine to five the hometown everyone's got that mask on because it it helps their community function you know and, and run smoothly and the second you start taking that mask off and disrupting disrupting the flow you know I think great things happen to that person, but you're going to get blown blowback because, you know, you're going against the grain and, and you're uh, kind of disrupting the flow of everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that's very true what Nick just said. Um, but uh, the Shakespeare's all the world's a stage. All the men and women are players, uh, players. But it, is, it actually tells you about the life. Life, don't take it all seriously. You know, it, it's life. It is, it is like a stage and people come, people go. It's like the tide comes in, tide goes out. And we, we are all here for a short time. And, and it's very important that we make the most of it. And remember, it is a, you know, play a good part in your stage, be a good person. And in, in the time you're around and, um, you know, that's what, uh, yes, wearing a mask of various different masks people have to wear, true. You know, to, um, but just be you, I think is the important one. I'm going to be center stage with all the lights on. <laughs> yes, Nick, you can. <laughs> fantastic. Well, I'm glad we met. I hope you had a fantastic time. We do have a community here, and our whole mission is to connect the doers. So if people would be open to maybe contacting you if they're interested in maybe writing, uh, mm-hmm. London, the history, would you be open to um, you know, some sort of contact information for a person? that would want to get in touch? Yes, of course. Yes, certainly. Uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn also, uh, Rane, R-A-N-E-E. 
B-A-R-R-A-N-E-B-A. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, though I don't post on Facebook very much. Um, LinkedIn is the one. And uh, do you want me to give my... Will you provide my email address? Yeah, yeah, I'll put it, I'll put it in the bio. Okay, yeah, um, um, Nick will put my email address and do get in touch. I'll be glad to meet. Perfecto. Any final thoughts before you, um, you know, hit the beach in paradise here? <laughs> Just relaxing and enjoying. And thank you very much for the opportunity, uh, Nick, uh, for giving me uh, the time to talk with you, to interview me and share my thoughts. I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You're my neighbor now. We'll see how long um, that lasts, how long I stay here. But great. Had a wonderful time. Make sure to hit up Renee with your questions about writing, um, London, possibly someone going through a death, you know, maybe some advice, all that. Or just generally Playa. Or Playa. Yeah, look at that. Playa. Anyways, live bold. Ciao, ciao.